0: Amen. Good morning, Faith Church. Excited to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, Pastor Frank is in Wolkitt for Woket's five-year anniversary. It's been five years. Praise God. That's so wonderful. Uh, that campus is growing and thriving, man. I, I love to see what God is doing over there. I go over there once a month, and it, it's really just a blessing. And so uh, we're thankful for the work God's doing there. We're also thankful for our lead pastors, Pastor Frank and Lisa. Although they're my parents, I appreciate them also as pastors. And uh, I'm thankful for them giving me this opportunity. So I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Would you guys remain standing as we make our Bible declaration? I like to say it at the same time. So we're going to do it together. Ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God's destined me to be. Amen. Amen. Uh, our first Peter chapter 2 verse 9 is going to be our uh, scripture for today. If you guys would remain standing for the reading of God's word. It says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors amen let 's pray, Father, thank you for the word this morning, Lord. I pray that it would go uh, forth with power and authority and conviction in Jesus name. Amen. Amen, thank you for remaining standing with me. You can go ahead and have a seat, as many of you know and would not be surprised to hear me say, I grew up in church. obviously, Pastor Frank and Pastor uh, Lisa are my parents and Growing up in church, you always know that people teach on what's right and what's wrong. There's an emphasis on what's right and what's wrong. And I heard teachings on, you know, doing the right thing and making sure that you're living holy and all those types of things. But see, I never quite understood why. Why? Why? Why all the rights, why all this is wrong, that is wrong. I never understood the why to living for God. I never understood the why for living holy. And you see, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Being that my parents were pastors, I wanted to make sure that I just did the right thing all the time. Because my parents were the pastors. But see, that was my only understanding of why. Because my parents are the pastors. And so what I ended up doing instead is I just hid what I did. Make sure that nobody saw it. Because I didn't understand why we should live for God. Why live holy? Was, it, was I just to live holy because, you know, God wanted to take away all my fun? He didn't want me to do anything fun in my life, so that's why I should live holy? Or was there a greater reason? Perhaps if I would have understood why I should live holy, I would have looked at things much differently. There's a lot of topics that we talk about in church. We talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about God's grace. We talk about God's mercy. We talk about his love, his compassion for us. We talk about healing. We talk about miracles. We love to see miracles, signs and wonders and healings break out and all that stuff is great and it's in the Bible and it's a necessity. But, There seems to be a lack of teaching within the body of Christ on this one topic, this one word, holiness, holiness. I I looked up on YouTube because I wanted to hear a teaching on holiness, sermons on holiness, but I could find very little. And it ministered to me to be like, wow, this message is needed in this hour in the church on holiness. And see, there's two extremes to the view on holiness, right? We, we have two extremes. The first extreme is to be a legalist. To be a legalist. You know, yeah, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And just don't do it for the sake of not doing it. And if you do anything wrong, well, you're going to hell. You're going to hell, that's it, you're done, that's it. That's it, you're bad. But then we have the other coin. Oh, we'll just do whatever you want. God's grace will cover it, brother. You know, I don't even know why we waste our time with holiness. You know, God's grace and God's mercy is just so good. It doesn't matter what we do in this life, you know. It, it's not a big deal. And if someone even dare says the word holiness, they're not Pharisee, legalist. And it's like, There needs to be a balance between these two things. And the Bible does have a balance between these two things. See, what God is looking for in this hour of time is people that will decide to live holy. Holiness needs to be brought back into the church of Jesus Christ. We are a holy people, a holy nation, the Bible says. What is holiness? What does the word holy mean? We throw these words around sometimes and we don't define them. So let me define it. Very simple. What what is holiness? What is living holy? Set apart. It's being set apart or separate. Or another way to define it would be set apart from the world for God. Set apart from the world for God. God is looking for people that will set themselves apart from the world for him. Peter in the book, in the, uh, book of 1st Peter, he's writing and he says, as foreigners and temporary residents. I thought that was so interesting in the context of holiness. See, what Peter is trying to teach under the unction of the Holy Spirit and what the Word of God is trying to show us is to live holy because this world is not our home. Live holy in this world that we live in because we are only temporary residents. We are foreigners in this world. We are not of this world. The apostle Paul says that I'm a citizen of heaven. A citizen of heaven. We should live holy because this is not our permanent destination. We're simply passing through. That doesn't mean we can't do great things for God when we're here on this earth and we can't have purpose. That's not what I'm saying. However, heaven is our eternal destination, our eternal Home. And I felt the Lord put in my spirit when, when uh, Pastor Frank asked me to preach. Preach on live holy. Live holy. But I feel it important to answer this question. Why live holy? Why? What's the point? Is Christianity just a bunch of do's and don'ts? Is that what it is? Is that what it boils down to? Do this, do that. Is God trying to ruin all the fun or is there a greater purpose? Why live holy? My first point this morning. Live holy because we have been made holy by Christ. Wait, what? Live holy because I already am holy? Am I holy? Are you saying you're holy, Pastor Joey? You know, am I holy? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have already been made holy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 makes this very clear. It says, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What is that will? The will it's referring to is the will that Jesus Christ would uh, be crucified and risen for our sin. Be crucified and risen. And by that will, we've been made holy. So if anybody is in Christ, they have already been made holy. We have already been set apart and marked by God as separate from the world and we will spend our eternity with him. We have been marked for eternity. However, that doesn't mean that all Christians live holy. We are holy, but that doesn't mean that all Christians live holy. See, the mere fact that we are already holy should serve as a motivation to act the way we already are. Act as we already are. We are already holy when we give our life to Jesus Christ. When we give our life to Christ, he makes us holy. We're not holy prior to that. But when we give our life to Jesus Christ, he makes us holy. And that should motivate us to live holy. I love what Billy Graham says about holiness. He says, are Christians a truly holy people? Or are we trying to become a holy people? As an oak sapling grows, it doesn't get oakier. Oak is oak. It simply matures into what it is, a full-grown oak tree. That's such a great quote, isn't it? Praise God for for, uh, Dr. Graham. But in other words, we don't have to get holier. We don't get holier based on our behavior. We already are holy, but we can behave in a way We can behave in a way that lines up with what we already are. Our behavior should change to be what we already are. I actually see him in here right now in the the back, but uh, Mr. D, who's also my uncle, uh, taught me uh, Bible when I was a senior in high school because he's the history and Bible teacher here at uh, Faith Prep. And we read this book. It was called Turkeys and Eagles. Turkeys and Eagles. It's like an allegory uh, and it teaches um, a truth in the word of God, but There's these turkeys and there's these eagles and there's this little eagle and he's living among the turkeys and the turkeys tell the little baby eagle that he's a turkey. But here's the thing, this little eagle feels like he's more than that. Feels like he can fly above and rise above and fly and soar. But every time that he tries to be what he's been destined to be, the turkeys put him right down. No, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't fly. You're a turkey. And throughout the entire book, there's a struggle and there's lessons that are learned and such. But basically, by the end of the story, the eagle realizes what he is, an eagle. And he flies and he soars high above and he becomes everything that he was destined to be. Now, what does that story have to do with us? Sometimes half the battle is just knowing what we are. Knowing what we are. We are holy. The same way that that eagle realized what he was is the same way we need to realize what we are. Which is a holy people. And when we realize what we are, it can help us behave the way we ought to. We are holy. We're not striving for holiness. We already are holy. However, our behavior should line up with that holiness. We should live holy as a result of the fact that we've already been made holy by Christ. We should make godly, holy, and right choices because of the mere fact of who we are in Christ. Amen? Live holy because we have been made holy by Christ. Live holy. My second point. Live holy because of who we represent. Live holy because of who we represent. First Peter chapter one verse fourteen through sixteen, it says this. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. One of the reasons why we live holy is because we represent God. We are God's representatives while we are here on this earth. We are God's representatives and the way that we behave is a reflection of him. The way we behave is a reflection of him. It is a bad representation of who God is when Christians do not live their lives set apart the way they ought to. It's a bad representation. Maybe we can understand it like this. There's a lot of big companies out there and such. And I imagine most of you, I hope all of you, have had a job at some point. And, you know, uh, when you work for a company, they have certain standards and guidelines and things of that nature. And they tell you, you know, hey, you know, can you just not do this? Because it's just not a good representation of who we are if you, if you were to do this and such. And imagine someone works for a company. And one night they decide to go out and just get wasted. Just go and just live it up. Post photos of themselves, you know, on Instagram, videos of themselves, you know, drunk as a skunk in the, in the club, you know, half of their clothes on, all that type of stuff. And then the next day the company sees it. The company's gonna be upset. They're probably even gonna fire you because why? It's a bad representation of who they are. But, but not only, only that. The company's gonna be upset because it's gonna look like The people that work for this company are like this. It might even deter people away from working for that company or even buying from that company. In the same way, when we do not represent God the way we ought to, the way that he is, it will deter people from following him. It's a poor representation of who he is. We have to understand that our lives play a role in our witness to others, it's one thing to talk it, and that's great. You should talk it. It should we, our words our words matter. The things we say matter. We should tell people about Christ. But if we talk it and don't walk it, there's a problem. First Peter chapter two verse twelve says this: Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Live properly. Why? In the context of holiness, we're to live properly among them. Why? Because we're representatives of Jesus Christ. We're His representatives when we're here upon the earth. Here's the unfortunate thing there are some Christians that if we went up and asked their friends, their co workers, their family members, did you know that so and so is a Christian? No! No way! They're, no way. They're not. They're a church boy. They're a church. I, I would never be able to tell. Let me tell you what they were doing the other day, man. I, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you about this. They would be astonished. And while, while that's amusing and such, it, it's, it's really sad that that's the state that the church is in. There should be a difference, a marked difference between us and the rest of the world. There should be a difference. You know, Gary Carter, if you're a baseball fan, you know who that is. Gary Carter was the catcher on the 86 Mets. And that was known to be a very immoral team. They were actually like a lot of people like idolized them because of how immoral they were. And I heard this story directly from Daryl Strawberry. Like he told me this like firsthand. Gary Carter was a Christian. And this whole team was all about partying and immorality and all this type of stuff. And they would basically say to Gary when they were out of town or maybe after a game, come on, Gary, come out to the club with us, man. Have some shots, have some drinks. Let's go to the strip club, bro. Come on, man. It's going to be a good time. And Gary Carter, well, I think a lot of Christians would turn around and be like, yeah, that's such a great opportunity, man. Just to show that we're, you know, we're just normal people, man. Maybe it'll be even a good opportunity for me to minister the gospel to them while they're doing that. I'm I'm totally gonna go. What a foolish thing to say. What a foolish thing to say. Christians do not belong in places like that. That might sound harsh, but it's true. Christians do not belong in places like that. Well, what if it could be a witness to them? I promise you, if they're drunk and they're watching strippers, I don't think they're going to want to hear the presentation of the gospel in that moment. <laughs> it just doesn't really seem like the best place for that, does it? in all seriousness, in all seriousness though, seriously, it, it, it's a problem. We't We can't have that mindset. But you know what Gary Carter would say? He'd say, no. Say, I'm good, guys. I'm going to head home and be with my family. I'm good, guys. I'm going to head back to the hotel room. And you know what Gary Carter didn't do, though? He also didn't condemn them when they went to go do that. Here's why. And here's something that we need to get into our minds. Hear me out on this. If someone is in sin, they're going to sin. If we were still in sin, they're going to sin. I just can't believe what they're doing. I can Because they haven't been redeemed by Christ. And if I hadn't been redeemed by Christ, I wouldn't be where I was. I would still be doing all of that stuff. It's only by the grace of God that I'm up here right now. It shouldn't be a shock when we see the world not living right. I'm not saying we have to support it, condone it, say that's great they're doing that, but it shouldn't be a shock to us. Gary would just say, no, I'm good. And they knew where Gary stood. And here's the funny thing. Whenever any of them had problems or anything they needed to talk about, Gary Carter was the guy they would talk to. That's how you be a witness. Set yourself apart. Hey, Gary, I'm going through something, man. That's being a witness for the gospel, that's living holy because of who we represent. So next time that friends or coworkers, somebody say, hey, you know, we're going to go grab, we're going to go grab a drink, man, at the bar and we're going to go and we're going to do this. We're going to go and we're just going to, you know, smoke a cigar together or something like that. Come on, man. Why don't you come and hang out with us? No, I'm not going to do that because I'm setting myself apart. I know that's stepping on some toes right now, but it's the reality of it. I'm set, I'm set apart. You don't have to condemn them, yell at them, anything like that, but you can make a decision to say, no, I am set apart. I'm set apart. Amen. Praise God for the church this morning. (laughs) Live holy because of who we represent. Live holy. You know, I just I just feel say this. I, I was about to move on to my next point. There's there's too much there's too much of the church being involved with the world right now. You can't tell the difference between a pop star. And a worship leader sometimes. They do the same things, they just they just come to church on Sunday morning though and sing songs about God. It's the only difference. Their lifestyle outside of it's no different. I see people and they're posting it. It's not like I'm just speculating. They're posting themselves at a bar, taking shots, doing all this nonsense, and then coming into church on Sunday, leading worship. Am I saying God doesn't have grace? No, that's not what I'm saying. God has grace for people. God God can forgive. People make mistakes. I understand all of that. But I'm saying, what happened to the holy standard? Because then when anybody approaches them about it, it's, oh, that's very legalistic. Very pharisaical. There is a standard in Christianity that Christians should desire to follow. My next point, live holy because we have been set free from the power of sin. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six, verse one. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Verse six. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Come on now. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. In order for us to understand, in order for us to live holy and understand why we should live holy, we have to get this fact that we are set free from the power of sin. Sin does not have power and dominion over us anymore. We don't just have to do whatever sin tells us to do. We don't have to do whatever our flesh wants to do anymore. That we are dead to the power of sin. We're dead. We're set free from the power of sin. Sin is like a cancer spreading through the body. Spreading rapidly at pace and it's eventually going to kill us. But Christ came with the cure and set us free from its power. But yet many people run back and they go and they play around with the very thing that was going to kill them. This is going to be a hot take right here. Hot take means controversial take just in case, just in case you're not with the pop culture on this one. That's all right though. But I have a hot take for you. Since a child of God has died to sin, we should not live in sin. 1 John 3 9, I think this might be the least read scripture in the church today. 1 John 3 9. It says, Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. I know what someone's thinking right now. Does this guy up here really think that he's perfect right now? Is this you know? Do, do, do uh, uh, you know? Am I supposed to be perfect? Does the Bible think that I'm supposed to be perfect? Can I never make a mistake, man? That's not at all what the Scripture's saying, or what I'm saying right now. I would be the first person to tell you right now. I have made mistakes. I've fallen short. After I've given my life to Christ, I've sinned. I've messed up. I've done all that stuff. And thank God for his grace and his mercy upon my life to restore me, to bring me back. God has so much grace and mercy available to us. Amen. He has so much grace and mercy available to us. So no, I'm not saying we can never mess up. But children of God should not live a lifestyle of sin. What does that mean? What is a lifestyle of sin? A lifestyle of sin is when someone... Repeatedly, over and over and over and over again, sins without any repentance whatsoever. Because what happens is you grieve the Holy Spirit, then you push the Holy Spirit further and further and further away until eventually we walk away from our salvation. That's living a lifestyle of sin. Often, people in a lifestyle of sin will justify the sin. Justify, no, it's not wrong. I can do that. That's living a lifestyle of sin. This will lead people further and further away from God until eventually they have no relationship at all. But when we realize that we have died to the power of sin, it should encourage us to live a holy life. That man, sin does not have a hold on me anymore. Hot take part two. Worst definition of a Christian, in my my opinion. One of the worst definitions of a Christian. Ready? I am a sinner saved by grace. Really bad definition of a Christian. Really bad definition of a Christian. I am a sinner saved by grace. I'll, let me demonstrate to you why this is a bad definition. John, can, can, can you come up, bring, bring your Mets hat with you? Yeah, thank you, John. Come on, let's go Mets. Come on now. Sorry, right, we're, we're both not doing good, brother. We're both not doing good. Uh, but John, go ahead and put on the Mets hat. John's wearing a hat, right? You guys can see him wearing it. So it's not a trick question. He's wearing a hat, right? It's not like, this isn't like one of those identifying things where it's like, I identify as this, that. No, he's wearing a hat. He's wearing a hat right now. If John was talking about wearing his hat and he was like, you know, this hat, you know, keeps me cool and, you know, I'm happy I'm wearing this hat, but I just hope it's not messing up my hair. If he started talking about I was wearing a hat, it would make sense, right? You guys would understand. But John, take off the hat. Great. He's got the hat off. Now, here, go ahead, give me a hat. John's walking around without a hat now. And John goes around and he goes, man, I hope that this hat doesn't mess up my hair. Oh man, I, th- th- this hat's keeping me nice, nice and cool right now, blocking the sun from me. We'd all call a mental institution and say, can we please help John? He thinks he's wearing a hat, even though he's not wearing a hat. Here, John, you can go ahead and sit down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. You guys all saw he wasn't wearing a hat, right? And we all thought that it was weird that if John was walking around talking about the hat he was wearing, if he wasn't wearing one, that would be weird. Why is it any different for a Christian? We've been born again. Our sinful nature has been taken off and we have put on Christ we have put on Christ. I've taken off my sinful nature. I am not a sinner anymore. The Bible actually says I am a saint. That I have put on Christ. It would be accurate to say I was a sinner. But now I'm saved by grace. Past tense. Was a sinner. But we're not sinners anymore. We're not sinners anymore. Why, why is this such an important Distinction, because holiness begins when we understand what God's word says about us. If we think that God expects us to be a sinner, then it's no wonder that we struggle with sin. Well, you know, I know, you know, but you know, I just keep struggling with sin, but it's okay, God knows because you know, I'm a sinner and stuff like that. No, don't identify with what you're not. Don't identify with what your past is. That's your past self. But when you've been born again, we have taken off our sinful nature the same way that John took off that hat. And we put on Christ. We've put on Christ. We're no longer sinners. Pastor Frank, in his series Mental Health Goals, did such a great job talking about the renewing of the mind. We need to renew our mind to understand that we have been set free from the power of sin because it's only when we renew our mind to understand that we are free from the power of sin that we can reign in victory over it. When we get that, no, I'm not a sinner. That's not who I am anymore. Maybe sometimes I might, I might sin, I might make a mistake, but that's not who I am. I'm redeemed by Christ and I've put him on in my life. God wants us to become more and more like Christ. That's called sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. There's too much teaching in the body of Christ today that well, you know, you just have to be stuck in the same sin, you know, you may never, you know, be able to shake it, but it's okay. It's not a problem. You know, cycles of sin happen and you know, it's, you know, we're kind of just sinners and there's really no way for us to get free from. It. That is so wrong. We have been set free from the power of sin. We have been set free. You can break free. Yes, you can. That addiction you keep running to, you can break free today. Alcoholism, you can break free from that today. Drug addiction, you can break free from that today. Pornography addiction, you can break free from that today. People think that's only for youth group, but there's adults that struggle with it too. You can be broken free from those things because death has no hold on us. Sin has no uh, binding on us anymore. We have been set free from the power of sin, which leads to death. You can be free today. And Jesus Christ, who the son sets free, is free. Indeed, we need to renew our minds about what the Bible says about us in order to live a holy and godly life. Worship team, you guys can start making your way up. Live holy. Because we've been set free from the power of sin. Live holy. My last point. Man, this right here is the most important one too. Why live holy? Why? Ready? This is the most important thing we got to get. Live holy because we love God. There really is no greater reason to live holy. Because I love God. I love him so much. I want to do things that are honoring to him. I want to honor him with my life. He's shown me so much grace and mercy. He's forgiven me. He's forgiven me. He's set me free. So I don't have to live bound anymore. God, I love you so much that I want to live a life that is set apart for you, set apart from this world for God. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus said those words. If you love me, obey my commandments. If we say we love God, we should be in obedience to his commandments. One of the main reasons for holiness is loving God. You know, I decided to retire this phrase in my life. I can't do this because I'm a Christian. Because it's such a bad mindset to have. I can't. Oh, I can't. I can't do that. Sorry, I'm a Christian. I've decided to change my mindset from I can't do this to I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this because I love God. I love God. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. So I don't want to do it. My flesh might rise up and tell me, hey, go ahead and do that. But guess what? Even that little want in me, I can say by faith, I don't want to. In the name of Jesus, because I love God, because I'm thankful that he died for me. I'm thankful that he set me free. I don't want to. I don't want to. That confession will change our mindset. That confession will change the way that we think. It's not I can't, it's I don't want to. I've told so many students that recently and it's blessed their life. Sometimes we can treat our relationship with God like a bad marriage, like a bad marriage. I use this illustration in January when I preach, but I'm gonna use it again right now. Let's say there's a husband and a wife, they're married and you know, they're at home together and the wife looks at the husband. Hey, do you mind just like walking the dog? Hmm, is this a divorce issue? He's like, um n- no, it's not a divorce issue. Like, can you just walk the dog? Hey, c- can you unload the dishwasher? Divorce issue? No. C- can-, can you take the trash out? Divorce issue? And every time that the wife asks the husband something, um, is this a divorce issue? How long is that relationship going to last? Not long. not long. It's not going to go well. But we see we do the same thing with God. Um, is this a salvation issue? Because the Bible says if I believe in my heart and I confess from my mouth that Jesus is Lord, then, then, then I'm saved. Oh, I don't need to do all that stuff, that church, I don't need to do all that, you know, I, I, you know, not a, not a salvation issue. It'll become a salvation issue real fast. That relationship is not going to last long. Our marriage with Christ is not going to last long. If we don't make a decision to live our lives set apart, it's going to come to a point where we walk further and further and further away from God. Is it a salvation issue? It'll become that if we're not careful. But remember, what's it about? It's about loving God. Holiness comes back to our hearts being so in love with God. God, I love you so much. God, I'm so thankful for what you did that I just want to honor you with my life. Lord, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to do the very thing that put Jesus on the cross. Because I love him so much. I'm so thankful for his sacrifice. Now, praise God if we, when we make mistakes and we fall short and all that stuff. He has so much grace and mercy. He does. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I'm, I'm living proof of that. God has done so much of that in my life. He's forgiven me when I've done wrong. So I'm not here to tell you today and condemn you and say, if you ever make a mistake, that you're done. That's not at all the message. He has so much grace and mercy for us. But the message is that we should live holy because we love God. We love him so much. I'm so thankful for you, Lord. I'm so thankful. I don't want to do that thing. That's I don't want to do that thing that hurts you. You know, this is how, this is how uh, Christians kind of deal with their Christianity sometimes. We see how close we can get to the line without crossing it. We're like... Okay, I'm on the line, but I'm not over the line. How far can I go? How far can I go? How far can I go? When in reality, our mindset shouldn't be how far we can go. Our mindset should be, I want to stay as far away from that as I can because I love God. Not just because of the rules, not just because of the regulations, but simply because I love God. Here's the thing we have to realize though. God doesn't want us to live these holy lives just because, you know, he wants to ruin our fun. Watch this. Holiness keeps us from harm. Holiness keeps us from harm. Living holy is actually a gift from God to protect us. When God originally gave the law to the people of God in the Old Testament, he said this, Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 through 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord, your God, require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord and live in a way that pleases Him and love and serve Him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Holiness is to keep us from harm. Holiness is not meant to be a burden it's not meant to be something that is just to ruin the fun. It's meant to keep us from harm, keep us from things that God never intended for us to do. There's an NFL player, or he was an NFL player. His name's Henry Ruggs III. He was drafted by the Las Vegas Raiders, and he had his whole career ahead of him. He was a bright star. But then one night, he got drunk, and he got behind the wheel of a car, and he crashed into someone and killed them. His entire NFL career is over. And the future that he had in front of him was shattered in an instant. God is trying to keep us. He's trying to protect us from things that are harmful to us. God's not trying to ruin the fun. I'll tell you what's not fun. What's not fun is not remembering the night before. That's not fun. How did I get here? That's not fun. I'll tell you what's not fun, having your future taken away from you because of choices that we make. That's not fun. If anything, God is trying to help us have fun. God's trying to help us have a good life. He's trying to keep us on track. He's trying to bless us by giving us these instructions the same way a parent gives instructions to their children. What type of parent would say, Johnny, go ahead and just like stick your finger in the sock. Yeah, it's no problem. No worries. No problem. No, but do whatever you want. Do it. I don't want to ruin your fun, Johnny. No. He's gonna say he. Uh, the parent's gonna say, "Take your hand away from the socket, Johnny." Oh, he's just trying to ruin his fun. No one's gonna say that. They're gonna say that's a good parent. God is a good father who's given us good instructions for us to follow. To help our lives. Hallelujah. Live holy because we love God. Live holy. Why should we live holy? Because we already are holy in Christ. Because of who we represent. Because we have been set free from sin's power. And most importantly, because we love God. Because we love God. And here's the thing I love about God so much. I love this about God. Is that there's so many benefits to living a holy life. Psalm 84:11 says for the Lord God is a sun and shield the Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless or holy is another word that could be used there His walk is blameless no good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is blameless He'll pour out his favor upon us when we decide to live a holy life. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and everything else will be added on to you. Uh, God told Joshua, he said, be careful to keep this word of the law. Then you'll prosper in everything that you do. God's waiting to pour out his blessing upon us. But will we live the life that he's commanded us to live? I've heard it taught before that holiness is the master key. Holiness is the master key. We have a master key here at, um, Faith Church. It opens the door to every single room. Holiness will open the door to God's blessing in every single area of your life. Every single area. That's what God is looking for. People that will say, God's not looking, understand this, God's not looking for the best speakers. God's not looking for people that can just do all the cool stuff. He's not looking for people that have all these skills and talents. He's looking for people that will decide to live holy. That is what God is looking for in this final hour of time. You ever wonder why is this person prospering? Why is this person blessed? Why is this person receiving so much from the Lord? Look at their walk. Look at their walk. If their walk is holy, the blessing of the Lord is upon their life sometimes we have to stop blaming God for when things don't go right in our lives and start looking at ourselves. We have to start looking at ourselves. Lord, where am I missing it? It's not always that. I'm not saying that. But, Lord, where did I miss it? Understand the Christian life is supposed to be glory to glory, victory to victory. Somebody told me this in between services reminded me of this is that God doesn't want us to camp out in the valley. The Bible says I walk through the valley. Too many Christians camp in the valley. I'm just in another valley. When are you ever on the mountaintop? Get out of the valley. Walk through it. Walk through it and keep going. God doesn't want to put you in a valley. If somebody has told you that God is destined bad things for your life, that he wants bad things to happen to you and all this stuff, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. God wants the Christian life to go from victory to victory, glory to glory. I'm not saying that bad things will never happen. I'm not saying that anything won't come up against you. I'm not saying that at all. But just like Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Our victory is found in him, in Jesus' name. Would you guys stand with me this morning?